0: Amateur Radio Newsline report number 2378 with a release date of Friday, May 26th, 2023 to follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QST. Deadly floods ravage a region in Italy. Hamvention 2023 is just a memory now. And a tragic antenna accident claims a noted contester's life. All this and more as Amateur Radio Newsline report number 2,378 comes your way
1: right now. From around the world, this is Newsline, amateur radio's independent on-the-air news and bulletin service. Now, reporting from Union, Kentucky, here's Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Our top story this week takes us to Italy, where deadly floods
0: in one region have displaced and disrupted lives and the economy. This is to be the location of the World Radio Sport Team Championship later this summer, as we
2: hear from Graham Kemp, VK4BB. Besieged by flooding that displaced more than 36,000 people and killed at least 14... Italy's Emilio-Romagna region has received some limited support from amateur radio. Greg Mossop, G0DUB, Emergency Communications Coordinator for IARU Region 1, told Newsline Hams made use of local VHF repeaters to resume communications within affected towns until mobile and landline phone networks could be put back into service. He said the failures were not severe enough for local authorities to ask regional ham radio emergency networks to activate. HAMS did remain on standby, ready to use HF, VHF, and digital voice if necessary. Greg said the IARU received the information from Alberta Barbera, IK1YLO, of the RNRE radio communication network. Alberto said the affected area asked for additional support from other countries in the region to provide extra pumping capacity and those teams made use of VHF-UHF commercial communications supported by Starlink satellite terminals. Separately, organisers of the World Radio Sports Team Championship to be held this summer in Bologna in this flood-impacted region were keeping an eye on the challenging conditions. Luca Alparandi, IK2NCJ, who handles media and communication for the event, said on the WRTC Group's IO list that if some sites for WRTC are unusable, competitor stations may need to be relocated further north. He wrote, our will and dedication to organizing WRTC 2022 will be stronger than any adversity. This is Graham Kemp, VK4BB.
0: As Newsline went to production, the Australian Maritime College announced that it was severing its relationship with the Australian regulator for providing amateur licensee services. The college and the Australian Communications and Media Authority will go their separate ways in February 2024. Before the college's selection in 2019, services such as exams and call sign recommendations were provided through the Wireless Institute of Australia. The ACMA is to take the role of call sign allocation and exam syllabus control in-house to go with the licensing role, which it already fulfills, and to do this under the new class license framework. The ACMA said it would release a consultation on the new accreditation scheme this coming August at the same time as this. The new class licensing arrangements take effect. In the U.S., the FCC has a busy June ahead of itself. It's taking a second and perhaps a third look at spectrum allocations, and there's a new candidate nominated to
1: join them as we hear from Paul Brown, WD9GCO. In June, the U.S. Federal Communications Commission will revisit ways the radio spectrum can be utilized more efficiently and study the proposed testing of a few uses on part of the 42 gigahertz band in the so-called greenfield spectrum. Greenfield spectrum refers to the part of the spectrum that is unutilized. The FCC's focus has been intensifying on this, along with other parts of the spectrum, because of the growing demand for its use by emerging wireless services and limited places to authorize their operation. FCC Chairwoman Jessica Rosenworcel announced this plan in the Commission's June agenda, posting her message on the agency website on May 17th. She said that the 42 gigahertz band was an apt place for conducting experiments with various spectrum access models because of the absence of licensed users there. This is Paul Brown, WD9GCO. This year's Dayton Hamvention was another success, with several vendors
0: returning after an absence along with some great weather. The rain was mostly overnight on Friday and caused minimal disruption. The main buzz was about two new handheld radios being announced, one from Icom America and another from JVC Kenwood, who returned to Hamvention after being absent since the start of the pandemic. 2023 Hamvention of the Year Karsten Dauer DM3EE received a standing ovation in front of a large crowd attending his forum about his work to house evacuated Ukrainian family members, as well as shipping donated radio gear, power banks, solar cells, and first aid kits for use to assist operators despite the partial Russian invasion. Steve Morgan, W4NHO, was recognized with the Spirit of Amateur Radio Award for his work in coordinating disaster relief communications during the recent eastern Kentucky flooding. The Voice of America Museum in nearby Westchester, Ohio, had expanded hours during Hamvention and reported record attendance of nearly 400 visitors. The youth socials at the Yoda booth were standing room only, and many hams were greeted by the first known live duck to attend Hamvention, Mochi, accompanied by Juni, N1DUC, who was promoting her new YouTube channel and educating people about domesticated ducks. Finally, 2023 marked the return of our own Newsline Town Hall. Attendees heard international updates from Tim Ellen, VE3SH, the president of IARU, Riley Hollingsworth, K4ZDH returned to the Town Hall to talk about the ARRL Volunteer Monitoring Program, while Mark Smith, N6MTS, proposed a new Open Headset interconnect. Standard to assist with group activities and MCOM. am radio isn't quite dead yet among those selling cars in the u.s one car maker has shifted gears into reverse literally
3: here's kent peterson kc zero dgy with an update in the united states the ford motor company has reversed an earlier decision to eliminate am radio in its new cars trucks and suvs The carmaker's announcement was made on Tuesday, May 23rd, on the heels of a bipartisan bill introduced in Washington, D.C., pressing for AM broadcast radio's retention as a public safety measure. Ford CEO Jim Farley announced on social media that the reversal came after discussions with government policy leaders who believe the elimination of AM broadcast radio in vehicles will cut motorists off from essential emergency alerts transmitted on those frequencies. The CEO wrote on Twitter that all 2024 Ford and Lincoln vehicles would include AM radio. He added, quote, for any owners of Ford EVs without AM broadcast capability, we'll offer a software update, end quote. The update would restore AM functionality. The U.S. Federal Communications Commission has also thrown its support behind the proposed legislation that seeks to halt the trend towards automakers' removal of AM broadcast in U.S. vehicles. The bill, introduced May 17th, is known as the AM for Every Vehicle Act. The FCC cannot regulate what automakers do, but was nonetheless vocal about the value AM radio has to motorists who may need to receive emergency alerts while on the road. Other manufacturers, including Volvo, Tesla, and BMW, have indicated they are dropping AM radio from their new electric cars because of interference between the vehicle's electrical operating system and the AM broadcast band. The Associated Press did not immediately receive comment from the other car makers. The bill's opponents, including the Alliance for Automotive Innovation, which represents U.S. automakers, called the AM radio proposal unnecessary. They say that the U.S. warning system, operated by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, can also deliver safety warnings by other means, such as FM broadcast, satellite, and cellular networks. This is Kent Peterson, KC0, DGY. Emergency preparedness
0: got a needed boost in South Carolina, and Kevin Trotman, N5PRE,
4: has those details. Dorchester County, South Carolina, is getting ready for hurricane season on the ground and in the air. High atop a 226-foot tower, members of the county's emergency management office have been installing an antenna system that will allow the county's amateur radio response team a wider communication range with first responders during emergencies. The hams are members of DART, the Dorchester amateur radio team. County officials told the local CBS TV station that the installation is designed to close a communications gap between Columbia and as far away as Charleston in South Carolina, a need that became apparent after Hurricane Ian struck the region last autumn. As storm season approaches again, the emergency management office is supplementing this antenna work high in the air by taking on some serious training on the ground, Emergency officials will soon be teaching classes to help get more volunteers prepared for their Amateur Radio Technician license. This is Kevin Trotman, N5PRE. Time for you to identify your
0: station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the KJ3LR Repeater in Bradenton, Florida, on Fridays
5: at 10 p.m. An antenna
0: accident has claimed the life of another ham, a well-known DXer and contester.
6: We have those details from Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. A noted DXer, contester, and CW enthusiast from Germany has become a silent key. Bernhard Buetner, DL6RAI, who was known to everyone as Ben, was killed following an accident while doing antenna work at his QTH in Aruba. Writing about his friend's death, Martin, DL5RMH, said that they were working together to prepare to change one of the antenna masts when the mast Ben was tending to buckled unexpectedly, and Ben fell to the ground. He could not be revived despite immediate first aid and the work of an ambulance rescue crew. Ben's own account of his radio life reflects a long and enduring love for active radio operation around the world. He fell in love with CW as a shortwave listener in 1978 after decoding a message he copied from a local ham. He worked to gain proficiency in Morse, and by March of 1980, the 16-year-old radio enthusiast passed his license test, qualifying at 12 words per minute. An avid traveler, he operated from at least 45 countries around the globe and became a serious contester CW, Ritty and the digital modes. Between 2002 and 2005, he was the WAEDX contest manager for the DARC. From 2007 to 2019, he was president of the prestigious Bavarian Contest Club. He purchased the QTH in Aruba in 2014 from another ham and was operating from there intermittently as P4 Stroke DL6RAI or P44X. His widow, Widow Louise is also an amateur with the call sign DL2MLU. This is Jeremy Boot, G4NJH.
0: Newsline takes this opportunity to remind listeners to please follow safety precautions always when doing antenna work or any other radioactivity that presents a potential hazard such as this. In one Massachusetts community, Amateur Radio is helping shine a brighter spotlight on a public event for cancer awareness. We have those details from Andy Morrison,
5: K9AWM. While participants in the annual Relay for Life take thousands of steps around a college athletics track during a two-day fundraiser for cancer research, the Mohawk Amateur Radio Club will be taking steps, too. These Massachusetts amateurs will be on the air as the two-day event steps off on Friday, June 9th at 6 p.m. local time. They will be on the campus of the Mount Wachusett Community College, reaching out globally over the airwaves to raise awareness of the life-saving Work of the american cancer society the hams will be on 20 and 40 meters during the day and will switch to 80 meters at night as in the past many of those answering the call of station n1 ww are likely to have cancer survival stories of their own and some of the operators such as jack burgoyne w1 pfz will be sharing theirs Jack and Club President Kevin Erickson, N1ERS, spoke to the Gardner News website recently about the event and the club's history of providing support to it. With a big turnout of spectators expected as individuals and teams in the relay make their rounds on the track, the Ham Club will also be raising its own profile. Kevin said the club hopes people will take a moment to visit the club trailer and check out the radios that are carrying the important message around the world. This is Andy Morrison, K9AWM. The power of QRP isn't always measured in watts or even milliwatts.
0: Jim Meachins at L2BHF explains.
7: It started as a long-ago suggestion from the New Zealand Association of Radio Transmitters, which suggested to IAIU Region 3 in 1997 that QRP operation be given its day in the sun. Literally. Since then, Region 3 societies have helped advance involvement in such QRP activities as QRP field days, QRP contests, instructions for QRP kit building and publication of articles about QRP operating. That's all about to get even more intense on June 17th, which will once again be QRP day throughout IIRU. Region 3. Writing to IARU member societies, directors and liaison officers, Yuki JH1NBN, Region 3 secretary, encouraged promotion of QRP operation, particularly when it's highlighted on that day. He wrote in his letter that QRP, quote, offers advantages concerning among others the reduction of QRM on the amateur bands, end quote. The day promises a powerful outcome. This is Jim Meechan, Settle 2BHF. The
0: 100 Watts in a Wire community, which has been around since
7: 2015, has
0: chosen the weekend of June 9th, 10th, and 11th as its Tune-Up Weekend, its annual spring operating event. That means that operators will be on the air calling CQ Tune-Up on June 9th, 10th, and 11th on any band at any time during those three days and in any mode, including digital. If you're a member of the 100 Watts and a Wire community, exchange your membership numbers with one another. And if you're not a member, you can still make a contact and then check out the 100 Watts and a Wire podcast. Membership is free, and as podcast producer Christian Kudnick K0STH notes, the weekend of is a perfect time to test your equipment and operating skills in preparation for field day and to get out of the shack for some fresh air while on the air. In the world of DX, be listening for members of the Rockall Expedition MM0UKI. They are hoping to set a new record on the air from the uninhabitable granite islet in the North Atlantic Ocean. This rare location has the IOTA designation of EU189 and is grid square IO37DO. The team departed for the island on May 25th and will be on the air around the clock using sideband, CW, and FT8 on 40 through 10 meters, as well as two. Two meters. Details and QSL information are on qrz.com. We remind our listeners that the window closes on May 31st to nominate a promising young radio amateur for this year's Amateur Radio Newsline Bill Pasternak Memorial Young Ham of the Year Award. Young hams who live in the continental United States have an opportunity to make news of their own in the world. Think of an amateur radio operator 18 years of age or younger, someone who has talent, promise, and a commitment to the spirit of ham radio. Find the nomination form on our website, arnewsline.org under the awards tab. Time is about to run out. For our final story, we ask you to imagine being missing and lost for three decades. Listen to this story of an older man's 30-year journey back to his family thanks to Ham Radio.
8: Jason Daniels, VK2 LAW, has his story. For one homeless grandfather from Nepal, this was a homecoming that was three decades in the making with the help of a merchant in a busy Bengali business district and a group of ham radio operators in West Bengal. The man, identified as Bir Bahadur Singh, had been spotted as a vagrant by a Bengali businessman who reached out to the West Bengal Radio Club. He knew the club's reputation for using their wide-ranging amateur radio network to reunite family members. Club Secretary Ambarish Biswas of the U2 JFA contacted hams in Nepal who were able to locate the man's village and eventually his wife. They learned that Bir Bahudur Singh had apparently fallen ill 30 years ago while he was transporting his son from Nepal to Delhi. From there, the man somehow disappeared. The son, now grown and working in Delhi, was overjoyed his father had been found so many years later, according to media reports. He'd been coordinating with the Nepal consulate to bring his father home. And Barishnak Biswas told the Indo-Asian News Service, quote, he never doubted his father and always knew that the man must have suffered some kind of mental illness to have left him alone. Quote. This is Jason Daniels, VK2LAW.
0: With thanks to Amateur News Weekly, the American Cancer Society, ARRL, Associated Press, Australia Communications and Media Authority, CQ Magazine, David Bihar, K7DB, DXWorld.net, 425DX News, FCC, Gardner News, House.gov, IARU Region 1, IARU Region 3, Indo-Asian News Service, News 2, 100 Watts and Wire, QRZ.com, ShortWaveRadio.de, Soda Reflector, Variety, West Bengal, Radio Club and you, are listeners, that's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. We remind our listeners that Amateur Radio Newsline is an all-volunteer, non-profit organization that incurs expenses for its continued operation. If you wish to support us, please visit our website at arnewsline.org and know that we appreciate you all. We also remind our listeners that if you like our newscast, please leave us a five-star rating wherever you subscribe to us. For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT at the News Desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I'm Neil Rapp, WB9VPG in Union, Kentucky, saying 7-3, and as always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2023, all rights reserved.